I want to talk today from the top of your, please me, please, say building a future with passion. That's the series we're in this month, building a future with passion. Now, you don't sound like a passionate church when you said that. Come on, say building a future with passion. Today, we talk about something called passionate sacrifice. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Passionate sacrifice. I don't know if you've ever uh, had somebody tell you that they love you and they didn't say it with passion. But I like to see a husband and a wife passionately say, I love you. I mean, I don't want to point anybody out, but I just think it would be profoundly powerful to just look up at the Lord and say, I love you. One, two, three. <laughs> that, didn't, that, didn't, that, didn't, that didn't move heaven. I'm going to tell you right now, that didn't do it. Come on, say, I love you. There's something about when you can say it with passion. You ever had that person that you meet that just kind of lights your fire, they make you laugh, they make you feel good, a friend? And when you meet them, you go, hey, you, you ever did that? It's just, I mean, there are certain people, when I see them, I, I just, hey, that's right, you got it, right? <laughs> and there's something about the passion in your voice. There's something about the joy that they bring you. This whole sermon is centered around one big truth, one big point. Jesus passionately died for you, sacrificed for you. He didn't, he didn't have to be forced. He didn't have to be pushed. He really liked you enough to sacrifice for you. Now, I want to say that I think that we don't always return favor. That if you look really close at our lives, there's not a lot of passion. There's not a lot of sacrifice. There's a book I love uh, that I've come across at least recently called Rich Habits, Poor Habits by Tom Corley and Michael Yardney. In this book, I've I've been impressed with the way he talks about passion. Here's what he says under what I call passion described. Passion, passionate practice prevents poor performance by perfecting our knowledge and skills. Passion is the number one and by far most important attribute of successful people. It is the catalyst that transforms ordinary individuals into exceptional individuals. When you pursue something you are truly passionate about, your life will change for the better. You know you have found that thing you are truly passionate about when it occupies your thinking 24-7. It consumes your waking moments and your dreams. And then he describes passion this way. He said, passion creates persistence. Passion transforms even the laziest person into a workaholic. Passion infuses you with creativity. Passion allows you to overcome mistakes and failures. Passion turns obstacles to the size of mountains and to paved roads. Passion produces, I love this, unforced Focus. Nobody has to make you focus on your homework. Nobody has to make you focus. You are clear. The most powerful type of focus there is, is unforced focus. When I was a student in college, in my, in my earlier years, I was not as focused. I, I was not an honor roll seeker. I didn't really care about all that. I wanted to just pass. When I went to college, I was introduced to reading at a level I'd never read before, and I was somewhat focused. But somehow, as I got older... I changed. I saw in my master's program that I was a different guy. 
I wanted to be the first guy there. I was determined to be the first student there, and I was determined to be in the first front row on the right side, side of honor. And I was determined to be there before everybody got there in every single class. I was there first. First. I wanted to be first. I wanted to have the highest GPA in the class. I wanted to be the person who got the best grades. I wanted to be the example. There was something about this passion that time built into me, a self-motivated drive. Now there's a passion. Listen to me. Be, and take this right. Take this right. Take this right. Now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Can I say it one more time? Don't get me wrong. I'm passionate about not having a broke church. I'm passionate about leading people who prosper. I'm passionate about having you have a desire in your life to do something for God that empowers you with wealth and strength. And I'm passionate about not being so money-focused that you forget people. You'll see that later on. But I want you to be strong. I'm passionate about my health. I'm passionate about being healthy. I want to be healthy. I don't want to be all broke up. I don't like what happens. My birthday is going to be on April 26th. Write that down, April 26th. Praise God. <laughs> We're going to be partying in the church. I got an African party coming on. I, I really am at the church on, on, on my birthday on Wednesday night. So come on out. But, it's going to be, but I'm passionate because I, I see what's happening. I'm, I'm 59. And you know what? I can see 60 real clear. It's never been this close. <laughs> and you know what I've learned? A lot of them broke up. Crinkly up. Can't move. Can't dance. I said, oh, Jesus, I got to do something. I got to do something. So Don and I took some salsa lessons. Oh, I, I loved it. I did. I, okay, I'm sorry. But anyway, I, I, I'm going back because I love, I, love, I love to be able to move. I love to be able to bend. I love to be able, I, and I don't, I'm, I'm watching because things, let me tell you, things stop moving. This year, oh, Jesus, watch it. It'll get out the way on you. Don't look down. Look up. Praise God. Don't look down. And... <laughs> It's just, everything started going the wrong way. And I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I must be passionate about my life. And in order for me, listen to me, in order for me to really be successful, I got to be willing to sacrifice. Some of you want things, but you're not willing to sacrifice. Jesus wasn't like that. He was passionately willing to sacrifice for you. Passion produces unfocused, unforced focus. Passion produces extreme willpower. Extreme willpower, the most powerful type of willpower there is. Passion gives unlimited energy. Unlimited passion and energy drives you when you are personally passionate. But it leads to something. There's a high price for it. It's called sacrifice. It's called abuse sometimes. Passionate people have to be abused. That's part of the price you pay. And in Jesus' case, it led to death. Listen to John chapter 19, verse 1. Before I do that, let me read a verse. Go back up to the top of your notes. John 10, 17. Let me read this first. John 10, 17 makes the point. It says, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one, no one takes it from me, but I do what? Lay it down by, of myself. It's me. I, I choose to do this. I have the power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This I command. This command I have received from my father. So there's a tremendous moment here where Jesus says, be clear, this is because I want to do this. This is, this is a great example of passion. That's what I told you a few weeks ago, you need it. You need to have somebody that was an example for you. 
And you need to have somebody that showed you the power of a long attention span. Jesus wasn't in the fight for just a minute. He wasn't in it for just a few seconds. He was in it for, the, for your life. And you see that materializing in, in the, the price he paid in John chapter 19 under number two in your notes. Notice what he said. John 19, 1. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. That's the price tag. Passion's not free. Ask a parent who's raised a child. Ask a single parent who's now going through it by herself. Ask, ask a father that's trying to make the ends meet. Sometimes you sacrifice with passion and it hurts you. It hurts you to give. It hurts you to surrender. It hurts. It's not easy. But I love the fact that when Jesus did it, he did it with confidence. He knew something. Here's what the Bible said in verse 9. And, when, and he went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, this is Pilate, by the way, where are you from, Pilate asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Verse 10, then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you, not, do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered in a unique way. Here's what he said. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Notice he has what I call confident passion. He's passionate, but he's confident. I understand that, and so do you. You know what makes me confident I'm going to be okay? Because I know where I came from. You know what makes me passionate about being okay? Because I remember how I used to be. See, we rode the bus all my life till I was about 15, so I know God is good. Come on, say amen. Every time I pass by a bus stop, I say, thank you, Jesus. I understand what it's like to have need of finances. I know what it's like to have financial needs. I know what it's like for my staff to walk in the office and tell me, Pastor Rick, we're shorting our budget. We need about $80,000 in about 15 days. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to need $100,000 in a few days. I know what it's like. I know how God can walk in and provide and miraculously provide for me when I don't have. Can you shout amen, church? Amen. Come on. That's why I can be confidently passionate that God is on my side. I needed $4.7 million one day. I remember that so well. And I just couldn't get the deal done. I remember I was praying. I said, well, Lord, it's not working out. But something had to work out. And I remember when, when I was sitting there in my office praying, and then God sent somebody by. And they said, what you working on, Pastor? I said, well, I'm working on this deal. And they said, really, what is it? And I told them about it. And they, said, and they made a phone call. And before you know it, next week the deal was done. God is a good God. Come on, say amen. God's a good God. I remember we needed some land. I didn't know where we were going to find land. We looked oh, all east, west, south, north. We went. I took my council members to places, and they laughed at where I took them. They said, this cannot be God's will. This place is tore up from the flow up. But I knew God had a place for us. And one day, my wife was driving down Middle Ground Road, and she called me on that little bag phone we had in our car. You know, I had a little phone in the car, you know, bolted to the car. You remember those days, right? And, I, and she called me and she said, you know, I found something that might be God's will. She said, you need to drive over here. And when I drove up to 9700 Middle Ground Road, I said, yes, Lord, this is the place. Come on, say amen. And it was in our budget. It was within our means. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was a price I'd never seen before all around town. And, and I thought, how could, how could somebody miss this price? 
And I, and I remember I stood out there and I, I knelt down when I got there. I literally got on my knees and said, God, this has got to be the place. It was flat. And then they had land on the left, land on the right, land across the street. And I brought a friend of mine whom I reached out to the other day. We talked the other day. Robin Gould from North Carolina. I said, Robin, come on down. I want to show you a piece of land that I've got. I said, we think about buying four acres of it. And they had 8.8 acres available on one side. They had another eight across the street. And Robin came over and there's about 20 acres all together. He said, well, he said, well, uh, he said, so you're going to buy this little corner right here? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to buy four acres. I said, that's in my budget. I'm going to buy four acres right here. This is what I feel I need. I don't need all that because I'm going to be right here. This is all I need. And he looked at me and said, well, if that's the size of your faith, go ahead. I said, I didn't ask you to come down here and tell me about my faith. I told to show you my four acres that I wanted in Jesus' name. And he said, well, if that's the size of your faith, he said, if I was you, I'd buy all that across the street. I'd buy all this over here. And, and you know what? I looked at him, and I said, I got a little bit upset because I was just trying to have my moment. I want him to just celebrate. But you need somebody that, that has passion that will push you to believe, come on, that God can do more. And so we bought it all in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. We bought it all. Now, the only piece we didn't buy was a piece across the street where they now have a special home for people who are up and coming in life. And it was a pl- we had, I had a vision that we'd build a house like that, but the city and the state was going to build it. So I said, I tell you what, y'all build it, pay the $6 million, and I'll just encourage them to come to church. How about an amen? <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, God, God is faithful. And I, that's why I'm so confident when I look at our future. That if we are willing to sacrifice, God will come through. Jesus stood there knowing they're going to kill him, but he said, I'm confident. You can't hurt me. You can't hurt. You can't hurt me. God has my life in his hand. Everybody say passionate. Now, the reason he was so confident, the reason he was so passionate, because he knew something. He knew that we couldn't do it on our own. You know, Matthew 121 is a statement that was made about Jesus when he came. Said to his mother, Here's what was said, and she will bring forth a son, referring to Jesus in Matthew 121. And you should call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their weaknesses, their sins. His whole purpose was to come help you because he knew, secondly, you could not do it on your own. You can't save yourself. You can't fix yourself. You, you have to understand it. That's why he was so passionate and willing to die on the cross for you, because he knew the truth. It's amazing how you, you just don't know how messed up you are until you try to get right. But God looked at us and he says, here's the truth. Unless they're all born again, unless they're willing to be born again, John 3 and 3, they'll never see the kingdom. They'll, they'll hear about it, but they'll never see into what kingdom life is all about, living under the king. That's what the kingdom is, having God be your king. And you live in his kingdom. You're part of his family. That will never happen in your life. He knew that. But Jesus made this statement in, in, in Matthew 16, 24. He said, if you desire to come after me, something's going to have to happen in your life. You're going to have to first, here's a big word, sacrifice. Deny yourself. Take up a cross. There's going to be some pain in this. And you on your own, without your mama, your daddy, your cousin, your friend, your pastor pushing you, you decide to follow Jesus. You know, I'll tell you, people can drag you in this building. They can make you sit down and behave for a few minutes and listen to a preacher talk, and that's all fine. But if you don't leave out of here with a personal passion for God, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. There's nothing, listen to me, there's nothing. You can go to school forever. You can, you can do what you want forever. You can get married. You can fall in love with this person, that person. But until you become passionate about certain values, until you become passionate about working, passionate about saving your money, passionate about being in health, passionate about talking to people a certain way, passionate about certain principles. I am passionate about my family. I am passionate about, but this is so important, I, am, I become more passionate about making sure Ricky is doing what Ricky needs to do. I'm passionate because I'm clear. I'm clear. I'm clear. I'm not confused anymore. I'm clear. Are you clear that you need God? I'm clear that I need him. That's why I'm passionate. I am not up here going through some religious ceremony and saying some sermon because I feel like I need to do this. I don't know. Preachers yeah, lovingly said, get on my nerves. I I, 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 I mentor a lot of them, and I love us, but we're a tough breed. Here's what bugs me. It bugs me when we live for this. It bugs me, and I'm not putting anybody down, but it's the truth. You know, people ask me, do you love preaching? No. Why would you like this? People looking at you all the time, staring at you, judging whether you did good. Let's see, that was a good one. No, that was a bad one. That was okay. You know, I want to say, come try it for yourself. My whole reason for being up here is not because I'm passionate about being important. I am not passionate about being on stage. I'm not. I, maybe, I don't know, one day maybe I might have dreamed that a little bit. But once you get up here, once you become a mother, once you become a father, once you become a teacher, once you become a boss, once you get a business, once you become an officer, once you become, once you start learning what is not. And if your whole passion is about being known and being highlighted and being a big shot, then you're going to be disappointed, I promise you. There are a lot of people who went into politics and they were, they were passionate going in, but they were passionate for the wrong reason. And what it did was it stripped them of their joy and they left politics with no joy. I don't want to die without passion in life. So I don't put my faith just in this. I, I tell people, here's what I want to be. I want to be a happy Ricky. I want to be a joyful Ricky. I want to look in the mirror and love Ricky. What's my name? You don't know my name? What's my name? Ricky. You scared to say Ricky? That's what my mama called me. My name is what? Ricky. Ricky. That's what my mama said. Ricky. Ricky. I heard that all my life. Ricky. Stand up, Ricky. Put your pants, put your shirt in your pants, Ricky. A man need to sign his shoes, Ricky. Ricky, you don't wear no wrinkled clothes. Ricky, I hear her right now. She's been dead a long time. I still hear Ricky. Ricky. What's your name? Your name is not Ricky. What is your name? <laughs> That's good. I love that, baby. All right. Wait, wait. Okay. I know I tricked you a little bit. I tricked you. That's on me, okay? Here, here. I want you to say your name at the count of three. One, two, three. All right. You need to say it with passion. What's your name? One more time. With passion. What's your name? That's what you need to focus on. Jesus came to save who? You didn't say it with passion. Jesus came to save who? Jesus came to save you. He came to give you life. He didn't come for you to just love some job and love some title and love some famous whatever. He came for you to look in the mirror and say, I like me. I like myself. I like the God who made me. And I want to live for him because I have passion. And I believe in him. I'm going to close with four things I want you to think about. Four things I pray you become passionate about, and we as a church become passionate about. One 
is the world around us and all of its issues. I want you to watch the news and pray. I know it's painful. I know. But you can't give up on it because it's the only world we got, people. This is our country. This is our world. We got to pray our way through all this. And number two, I want you to pray about people who need help. We cannot lose passion for people. What makes this job work for me is I like people. I'm the kind of guy that comes to your house, takes his shoes off. I am. <laughs> I like people. If you're around me, you know I do. I, I, and I think that's what you need to pray for. I pray as a church that we would never stop loving people. Opening doors for the hundreds that are watching online right now, streaming in. You're part of our family. You're part of the people that we, we're here. The technology and all the things that are in place right now are for you. Thirdly, I hope we never lose passion for giving. Giving of our time. Giving of our resources. There's nothing like giving money. There's nothing like saying, I'm in the fight with you. I bring my tithe and offering because I believe in this. I'm fierce about that. I'm fierce about it. I'm fierce about it in my family. I'm fierce, they'll tell you. I'm fierce about sharing my expertise, helping people. Helping younger guys come up, people that are trying to get this job done, people that are trying to get business, people that are trying. I mean, I want to bring these years of experience to people. And then I want to be, this is my last thing for today, passionate about mature investments. I want to be where I'm supposed to be. I want to know when to say yes and when to say no. I can't do everything. I got to be passionate about what I do. Next week, I'm going to talk about this. Here's what I think is wrong with some of us. We're passionate about the wrong things. We're passionate about things we shouldn't be passionate about. We're doing things we shouldn't be doing. We're making investments. I'm going to teach something I have not taught before. There's a story in the Bible that I'm going to, I'm going to share with you. It is incredible. And in this story, I'm going to show you somebody who was in the wrong place. They made the wrong investment. And they were passionate. They, they, they were passionate until someone talked them out of it. And they got off track. Boy, that's true for a lot of people. I gave you some of collateral reading you can read on your own. There's a book that, called Boundaries by Henry Cloud and John Towson called When to Say Yes and How to Say No. You ought to read the notes I put there for you. It's powerful for you to understand that Jesus looked at you and said, you are where I should be. You are the right investment. He came to die for you to give you a brand new life. I want to pray for you today. I want to ask you right now to bow your heads with me, would you please? Father, I pray for people in this room today who've heard me, both home and here. And I ask you to touch them today. Let this be a moment when they say, Jesus, I need to thank you for your passionate sacrifice for me. And now it's time for me to consider my life. Am I passionate about you? Am I passionate about the things I do? Am I willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to lay my life down like you laid your life down for me? Do we have a one-sided relationship where all I do is ask you for things? I demand things of you. I get frustrated when I don't have what I want. But I'm not living like you asked me to live. I'm not communicating the way you told me to communicate. Now I pray, God, you stir people today to make a commitment to become passionate about you, to ask you into their lives. 
Father, I thank you for your life and your sacrifice. We don't want to be like the people in the scripture. Last week on Palm Sunday, they were shouting your praises. Hosanna, save now, they were saying. And then just a few days later, they were saying crucify. Lord, help us to be not just temporarily passionate, but help us, Lord God, to have a longer attention span. Help us follow examples like John the Baptist, people who showed us what true passion was like, people who wanted the king to rule in their life. Let this be a moment, oh God, when we review in our lives where we need to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Rick, what you said spoke to me, and I really get it, and I want you to pray a prayer for me. I need to give my life to Jesus. You may be a good person. You may have been wonderful all your life, but you have not really passionately followed Christ. If you want to today, make a sacrifice and let me pray with you. Just raise your hand and say, pray for me. Just let me see who, who wants me to pray for them. Raise your hand high. Let me see. I see you. I see you. I see about 15 or 20 of you over there and just dozens. And My goodness, must be 30, 40 hands up. Father, we pray for all of these people whose hands are up. We pray, God, that the Spirit of God would touch them as they leave today. That they would say, Jesus, I love you and I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the chance to come today and be a part of this church service. To hear a message about sacrifice. I want every hand lifted to join them in prayer. Everybody lift your hand with me. Father, we lift our hands and surrender to you today and ask you to be the Lord of our life. For some, this is the first time they've prayed this prayer. For some, they're rededicating themselves. But wherever they are, whether they be here or home, we speak blessing to them, and may this be the beginning of a new life for them. We give you praise, and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Well, give God a big hand clap if you're glad you came today. I'm so glad you came. Really glad you came.